and this individual has sought the Lord all week long. And I know that what we're going to hear today is a word from the Lord to us. So would you guys warmly welcome Pastor Eliza. She comes on up to share the word. Hey, everybody. Good to see you. Go ahead and get your Bible out. And um, if you don't have your Bible, you can use your phone. I like the sound of the pages there. Um, and would you stand? And I want you to say with me, thanks be to God for the power of his word. We're just going to say that a couple of times. Thanks be to God for the power of his word. Thanks be to God for the power of his word. Thanks be to God for the power of his word. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can come together. We ask, Lord God, that you would give us ears to hear. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We want you to come and convict our hearts where we need conviction. We want you to come and transform our hearts, transform our life, that we can see transformation in the places that you've given us stewardship and leadership in our homes and in our workplaces, Lord God, and in this nation, in the nations of the world. Father, I ask that every word that you want to be spoken right now would be spoken. And anything in my mind that's not for today, remove it. And we pray, Father, your kingdom come, your will be done. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Today we're going to talk about from renewal to reformation. And um, you know me, we're going to go through a lot of scripture. Um, I'm going to start out in Psalm 2, and if you turn there, and I'm going to open it up. All right, so it says, Why do the nations rage, and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. So that's what um, the nations are saying, the kings. And if you look in um, anywhere in the world, you can see this in operation. But here's God's response. The Father, he who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall not hold them in derision. And then he will speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill in Zion. And he's speaking of Jesus. I've set him already there. And then it shifts again. So you heard the Father. So you hear the nations, then you hear the Father, now you're going to hear the Son. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, Jesus is saying, this is what God has said to me, you are my Son, therefore I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and for the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter vessel. And then I believe the Holy Spirit is saying, Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice 
with trembling, kiss the sun. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. So Psalm 2 declares a crisis. And I believe that the response to a Psalm 2 crisis is going to be found in Joel 2. So if you flip to Joel 2. And I just want to say this um, before I jump into Joel. In Acts 4, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to. In Acts 4, Peter and John had um, healed a man. They found themselves in front of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin told them, you may not speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God you judge, but we cannot but speak the things which we have heard and seen. In verse 23, it says, being let go, they went to their companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard that, the community raised their voices to God with one accord, and they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and sea and all that's in it, who by the, your mouth, by the mouth of your servant David have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and his Christ. Does that sound familiar? That's what we just read in Psalm 2. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you have anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done. And the earth. And they prayed, the place they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Okay, so back to Joel, Joel 2. I think if anybody with any um, eyes to see just in the natural would say that this crisis is around us, and then we have a response. So Joel 2, 12, it says, Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with weeping and fasting and mourning, rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. He relents from doing harm. Who knows if we will turn if he will turn and relent and leave a blessing? Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call the sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, the nursing babes, let the bridegroom go out from his chamber, the bride from her dressing room. Verse then to verse 17 it says, um, let them say, spare your people, O Lord, and do not give your heritage to reproach that the nations should rule over them. Why should they say among the people, where is their God? And then God says, as you do that, this renewal, the Lord will be zealous 
and I will send grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied. Just a little bit more, Joel. Verse 21, fear not, O land, be glad, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Don't be afraid. Um, the end of 23, he will cause the rain to come down, the former rains, the latter rains. The threshing floors will be full of wheat, and the vats overflow with new wine. And I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust. I just want to pause and say this. Joanne, at the beginning of this year, she gave a message about Occupy. And she read this. She said three things to us. She said this is a time to Occupy. She said it was a time of revelatory identity and a time of restoration. Now, Occupy, we have to start here in our own hearts. Holy Spirit has been really speaking to me about rending your heart, not your garment. And I've been, what does that mean? And I've been just praying about this for the past few weeks. He's just been giving me, well, I don't want to get ahead. I don't want to tell you where we're going. You're going to love this. But I believe what happens is we posture ourselves in our hearts to him, corporately to him, we're going to see if we come into, and I'm not talking about a religious striving kind of thing, but if we can go, yep, there is a Psalm 2 problem. There needs to be a Joel 2 response so that we can have an outpouring of the Acts 2 spirit. So turn to Acts 2. I'm going to start, I'm going to read just, a, I'm going to glean a few verses from here. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. There was a theme today of unity. In fact, I believe by the end of this message, you're going to see a theme from worship all the way through. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing. And I want to see, I don't, you know, I, I believe that this is a, um, a earmarked day for this body. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were together in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven of a rushing mighty wind, and it was filled the whole house there when they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each one, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And then, as you know, the crowd were all together, and they're like, oh, they must be drinking new wine this early in the morning. <laughs> and Peter rises up. And I'll just say something about Peter. I mean, Peter had just, you remember Peter? He's the one that said, I'll never deny you, that denied. And yet God did, God encountered him, Jesus encountered him in such a way that now Peter has come into alignment with what the Lord has for right now. And this boldness of the Holy Spirit came upon him and he raised his voice and he said, men of Judea and those who dwell, they're not drunk as you suppose. 
It's only the third hour, but this is what was spoken by Joel. Two, it shall come to pass in the last day. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will see dreams. And on my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will show my wonders in heaven above and signs on earth, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Verse 39 says, and the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many who will call upon the name of the Lord. I want to see an outpouring of his spirit. I believe he wants to to pour out his spirit in a way that we've not um, yet experienced. I believe we've had a little trickle here, a little trickle there. I'm just, even in the course of my journey, I'm not even talking about in this local body, but I believe that we're going to see harvest and it's going to come through the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and us getting over ourselves and being about the Father's business. So, in that, I would like for you to go to 2 Kings 22. You know, um, I love the Word of God. Matt, I love the Word of God. And, and you know, I've, I've, there have been times in my journey, and I'll read things like the Israel's grumbling in the wilderness, and I can think with my mind, why would they do that? They just saw God deliver them from slavery in a Red Sea, and yet they're grumbling. I would never do that. Right? Or Sam and I saw something. I said, I just thought it was funny, so I'll just share it with you. It, a little caption this week. If I thought about it, I could put it up there, but you know, man, I don't think about things like that. But anyway, it says something to the effect of if Adam and Eve were Cajun, they'd have eaten the snake instead of the apple. And think of all the trouble we'd been delivered from. But the truth is, we would have eaten the apple. And so as we're reading this, um, I just want my life and your life to line up to the fullness of what God has for us and through us. And in that, I just want the Holy Spirit, and I just want to declare right now, there's no shame, there's no condemnation, this is not religion. We just want the Lord to do whatever he wants to do in us to prepare us that we can do what he wants to do through us. Okay, so we're going to read about Josiah. Second Kings 22. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother, he had a mother, I'm not going to read all that, but anyway. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in all the ways his father David. He didn't turn aside to the right or to the left. Now it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah, means he was 26. That's how much time had gone by. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, but I'm going to remove 
some names. The king sent the scribe to the house of the Lord and said, Go to the high priest that he may count the money which has been brought into the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. And let them deliver it to the hands of those doing the work, who are overseers in the house of the Lord. Let them give it to those who are in the house of the Lord doing the work to repair the damages of the house. To the carpenters and the builders and the masons, and to buy timber, hewn stone to repair the house. However, there's no need of accounting of the money delivered to them because they deal faithfully. So the high priest says to the scribe, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And the high priest gave it to the scribe, and he read it. The scribe went to the king, bringing the king word, saying, your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house, and they delivered it into the hands of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. And then the scribe showed the king, the priest has given me a book. And the scribe read it before the king. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes and the king commanded the priest and the scribe's son and a couple other people and the scribe and the servant of the king Go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that have been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. I want to just pause and say this. We are saved by grace, faith in the grace, the gift of God. James says, though, that faith without works is dead. I would propose to you that'd be like putting on a costume like people did this week. Say, I'm Superman. (laughs) Or, you know, I'm President Obama or whoever. But just because you put something on doesn't make who you are. It's on the inside. It's the thing of the heart. Does that make sense? You guys okay? Take a little pulse? Okay. So the king sent them inquire the Lord. So they went, verse 14, and they went to the prophetess, which I thought was interesting. They went to a prophetess, and they spoke to her, and she said to them, this is what the God of Israel says, tell the man, tell the king who sent you to me, thus says the Lord, behold, I will bring calamity on this place and on its inhabitants, all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, 
because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath will not shall be aroused against this place and not quenched. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord in this manner, you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God, concerning the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender, rend your heart, and you humbled yourself before the Lord, even in worship today, letting things go, have your way. When you heard, you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and you tore your clothes, says the Lord. So nothing, well, you know what's interesting is Josiah's probably great, great grandfather was Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was also a great king. And he did a lot of reformation, but there was one thing he didn't do. He didn't tear down the high places. So I'm going to propose to you that when we hear the word, it should lead us to a response. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is we are all in different places in our journey. And so I don't say what your response is. You don't say what my response is. Just ask him, well, what's my response? What do you want me to do today concerning this word? chapter 23. So the king, so King Josiah, he hears the word. He has a response. He destroys all the idolatry, and he restores true worship through consecration. And we're just going to look at a few things of what he did, and then we're going to get practical for us. Y'all good? Take a deep breath. It's kindness that leads us to repentance. And I'm only stepping on faith when I know he said to do. <laughs> the rest of it's between him and you. <laughs> so the king sent to them and gathered the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priest and the prophets and the people, both small and great, and he read in their hearing all the words of the book of covenant, which had been found in the house of the Lord. Okay, so um, the book of the law was considered the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And we get worked up over, is it time for lunch yet? <laughs> I don't know, like, have you ever, like, read through Leviticus? That's a real fun read. <laughs> or let's just say he just read Deuteronomy. He had everyone come together. That was the first thing. His response when he heard the word was to read the word. He read the word to all. 
And in their hearing, he read the word. And then the king stood by a pillar, and he made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all of his heart and all of his soul and to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. So the second thing, he made a personal covenant, and then it says that the people took a stand for the covenant. So the people said, yes, we're going to take a stand for the covenant. So then, verse 4, the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and the priests of the second order and the doorkeepers to bring out of the temple of the Lord all the articles that were made for Baal and Ashtoreth and the host of heaven. And he burned them outside of Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron, and he carried their ashes to Bethel. So he removed all the articles that had been dedicated for idolatry, idol worship, and he destroyed them. Then he removed the adulterous priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places. And so then he removed all the people of authority that were idol worshipers. And then in verse 6, he brought out of the out of the wooden he brought out the wooden image from the house of the Lord. And he burned it at the brook, grounded to ashes, and he threw the ashes on the graves of the common people. So he removed the idols. And then, verse 7, he tore down ritual booths of the perverted persons that were in the house of the Lord, where the women wove hangings for the wooden image. So he tore down the rituals and the tradition. Verse 8, he went and he brought all the priests from the city of Judah and defiled the high places from where the priest had burned incense. And he broke down the high places at the gates, which were at the entrance of the gate, the gate of Joshua, the governor of the city, which were to the left of the city. Nevertheless, the priest of the high place did not come up to the altar, but they ate unleavened bread among them. And then he defiled Topheth, the valley of sun, that no man might make his son or daughter pass through the fire of Moloch. So he broke down the high places, and then verse 11 to 18 He removed the horses that the king of Judah had dedicated to the sun, to the entrance of the house of the Lord, by the chamber of um, Nathan, the officer who was in the court, and he burned the chariots of the sun with fire. And the altars that were on the roof, the upper chamber, 
which the kings of Judah had made and the altars which Manasseh had made in two courts of the house of the Lord. The king broke them down, pulverized them there, and threw their dust into the brook Kidron. And then verse 19, it says, um, he took away all the shrines of the high places which were in the city of Samaria. Verse 21, the king then commanded all the people, keep the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of covenant. So he went and he, he cleaned out and he took down the false idols and then he established the things that the Lord had commanded for them to do. In the verse 24, moreover, Josiah put away those who consulted mediums and spiritists and household gods and idols, all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and Jerusalem, that he might perform the words of the law which were written in the book that the priests had found in the house of the Lord. Now before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, his soul, and with all of his might, according to the law of Moses, nor did any arise like him. You know, um, sometimes I think we can um, look out there and see the problem out there. And um, I was running, for those of you that didn't know I'm training for a half marathon. So I was running, and the Lord began to speak to me about he wanted to deal with um, places of idolatry. It's like, well, that sounds like a fun topic. <laughs> and he began to identify some common things that I think that we can fall into and we don't even think of them as idolatry because they're not all the Captain Obvious things. Does that make sense? Okay. So do you mind if we tackle some of these? <laughs> all right. First one he highlighted to me is fear of man. And I'll, I'll just say that um, not all of these, but a lot of these are things like he's been revealing me. But the thing is, if if I am bound into fear of man, am I going to be fully able to follow the Lord? So the first thing he highlighted was fear of man. I love what Paul says in Galatians 1.10. It says, for do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? If I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Another one that he highlighted was the idolatry of understanding. Well, God, why did this happen? See, what happens is these things can seem like little things, but left unchecked, they can become not only stumbling blocks, but actually put us into bondage. And the Lord said to me, it, it, since I've been here, if we will allow him to search our hearts and show us the things that we've allowed, like if I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit and there's fear of man, I need to go in, I need to take that thing down and say, no, you don't belong here. 
Because if I don't, I'm actually opening a doorway. Left unchecked, that thing will grow. And the next thing you know, I'm opening a doorway for oppression of a demonic spirit over my life. So not, so not only am I not stepping into what the Lord wants to do in and through me, I myself am back in prison, and he died on the cross that I could be free. And so we have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to go, what if these things offend me? And if not anything today, Lord, when I'm driving, I want you to continue to show me these things so that I can walk in the fullness of what you have in and through my life. Because Jesus said, the nations are his inheritance. And last I read, he, Jesus is at the, at the, in the Father on the throne interceding for us, and he tells us to go. Okay, so understanding, continually questioning why. Psalm 22 says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And, and listen, it's okay for us to have a moment to say, God, where are you? But go to him, but don't let that become, well, I'm not, I, I just, I don't understand why that person, you know, 20 years ago died, and I just can't trust God after that because I prayed for a healing. Like, do you see what the enemy is robbing you and robbing the world from what he wants to do through your life because of this idolatry of I have to know, I have to understand, and once I understand, then I'll follow God. Job, you know, He's in Job 3, it says, you know, he, he's now gone through two horrific assignments of the enemy. And he says in Job 3, he says, why didn't I die at birth? Why didn't I perish when I came from the womb? Why I was not hidden like a stillborn child? Why? Has anybody ever fallen to the idolatry of why? Later on in Job, after lots of course discourse about what happened in the why, why. The whole book of Job is about why, why, why. The Lord answered Job out of a whirlwind, and he said, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Prepare yourself like a man. I'm going to question you, and you shall answer me. And then there's like three chapters of God just declaring, did you, did you do this? Can you do this? Job's response, beautiful. Job answered the Lord. He said, I know you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I don't know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of ears, but now my eyes have seen you. Isaiah says, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. We're, we're called to come to him with childlike faith. As a parent, when I was training my children, there would be times that I'd give them understanding. And there were times that they just need to hear my voice and obey it. It could have been life or death. Get out of the street, car's coming. Um, another one he highlighted um, our personal will our desires our dreams 
me just say this. If the Lord has spoken something over your life, it will come to pass. It may not come the way you thought. It may not come the timing you thought. That, and you may not see anything happening. But he is in the business of doing things behind the scene, positioning so things are right where they need to be. And there's going to be some suddenlies. And I believe some suddenlies are coming, but we need to allow him to form and fashion us so that we can steward what he wants to give us to steward. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, crying out, God, take this cup from me. Like, we can be honest with him, but there better be that surrender. Not my will. Your will be done. See, God is not interested in a bunch of robots. Like, he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He cares about the things. You know, and so it's okay to like bring the pain to him, but come to that place of surrendering. Not my will, your will be done. I'll tell you another one he highlighted comparison. I want to tell you something. I have not seen any good fruit zip from any kind of comparison. Zero. It leads to shame, it leads to pride, it leads to jealousy. It does not lead to freedom. Galatians 6, 4, and 5 says, Let each one examine his own works, and then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone, not in another, for each shall bear his own load. We're on all different journeys. Stay in your lane. Listen, there are things that you have that I don't have. But if I'm so focused on what you have that I don't have, I'm not going to recognize what I have that you don't have. And so the thing is, God loves each one of us, and he has a perfect design for you, and there's things you need, and there's things you need that he has for you that others aren't going to have. And if I'm all thinking, well, why did God bless Matthew? And all of a sudden, if I'm all, see, all of a sudden I'm bowing down to that versus walking in humility, being in my lane where I'm supposed to be. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, this is kind of a, those are kind of more hidden. I'd say th- secrets. He, he highlighted this. Um, things done in the dark. You know those things where you know you're not supposed to do those things? Stop it. <laughs> like, stop. We don't have time to be going around that mountain. Matthew 18, Jesus said, if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It's better for you to enter lame or maimed than having two hands and be cast into eternal fire. He's not saying go chop off your hand, but he's saying, hey, like that's going to hinder you from the fullness of what I have. You know, and the thing is, is that I, the, I'm We're probably going to keep doing these things unless he changes us. Perfection is one of them. Guys, we can't walk this walk in our own strength. It's only by him and his grace. We can't start out in grace and then try to be this perfect little Christian. No. Be honest with him. He can handle it. He knows. Your secret things, not a secret thing to him. And you can just say, Lord, I'm probably going to do this again unless you bring the transformation in me. And then you open up to some trusted people and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. This is a shame 
free zone. We want freedom here. We're not going to, I don't know one perfect person here except for Jesus. And, you know, I don't want this to be a place where we have to put on, oh, I'm on a Sunday Christian thing. No, we, you know, we need to be honest about where we are and invite Jesus in so he can transform us and change us. So, all right. Some other additional idols that kind of came to mind are comfort, our convenience, our natural circumstance. I was going down the hill, and I was thinking about a new problem that had surfaced in, in my life, and I could feel myself shrink back and come under heaviness. You know, and the enemy's like, come pick that baby, go down that downward guitar. And you know what? I've come to realize it doesn't matter what's happening outwardly. It's about what's going in here. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If I, if we wait for our circumstances to line up like the stars, we will never walk in righteousness, peace, and joy. It's, 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 it's a elusive. It's a mirage. It's not going to happen. Um, when I read this, I see trials and pain. In this world, you will have trouble. Trouble. Um, grumbling and complaining. If you're spending more time in your mind with all the negative thoughts, I submit to you, you could be putting your affection, your time, your thoughts in that more than who Jesus is. Sam's been talking about strife and offense, actually offense, which can lead to strife. So the act, renewal is the act of renewing. I believe the Lord is desiring to renew his people. We need outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need him to speak to us, to show us the things in our lives that have been a hindrance to what he wants to do in and through us. And I believe also that renewal will then lead to reformation, where we are about, it says, listen to this, reformation is the act of reforming, correcting an amendment of life and manners of anything Vicious or corrupt. Cinnamons are dramatic change. Who would like to see dramatic change in the church? I'm not talking about just here. I'm talking about in the body of Christ. Okay? Dramatic change. See, I, I think we we focus on the world and Jesus like, hey, just focus first on, you know, you, if you guys are about my business, then that'll be a testimony and a light to the world. Dramatic change, radical change, drastic radical alteration, a complete shift, transformation, conversion, innovation, breakaway, reorganization, restructuring, remodeling, rearrangement, reorientation, regrouping, 
The Lord spoke to me today, and he said, we are going to be in the season of tearing down so that he can rebuild. That means we have to allow him to search our heart. You don't get permission to look at someone else and go, I think you need to take this down. Let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Let him allow to search our hearts and, and individually in our families, in our workplace, in every part of our life. It's all his. Let's allow him to do that, to tear down, root out, so that we can rebuild whatever it is that he desires to do in and through us. How are we doing? Okay. Oh, perfect. Um, would you stand? You know, this week, um, what most celebrated as Halloween was actually um, overlooked the Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther. And I'm going to read something. I did not write this. It came from a devotion series that Becky shared with me. But I want to read this over us as a body. Let me ask some questions first. Prayerfully consider, do you want to be a reformer of the American church and culture like Martin Luther was? Tell the Lord so. Intercede for all those he is raising up as reformers for this generation. Ask him for more passion. That's something this week, um, past few weeks. You know, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I have been in a season, and it's okay. It's a season, and it's not a, um, it's not an issue of um, I'm doing something wrong or not. Sometimes it's just that I have felt very uninspired, <laughs> and I just regularly pray, Lord, awaken my heart, awaken my heart, revive my heart. Get my focus on you. I don't want to just go through the motions of all I know to do. Awaken my heart. Awaken my heart. Awaken my heart. Tenderize me. Help me to be aware of your presence. I don't want anything closer to my heart than you, Jesus. Awaken my heart. Awaken my heart. The Lord has just reminded me of this in Revelations. It talked, Jesus talked to the church. He said, oh, that you were either hot or cold. But not lukewarm. Lukewarm kind of spewed me out. I was like, wow, that seems really radical. You're going to sit like lukewarm, like just lukewarm. But you know what? If you're, if you're cold to the Lord, I believe you're positioned more to have an encounter with him than if you're walking lukewarm. Because if you're lukewarm, you're like, I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. You know, when you're cold to the Lord, like God's like, okay, I love you. Let's see how that works for you. And you end up to the end of yourself a lot quicker. So, Lord, we ask that you would fan the flames of our heart that we be red hot. We don't want to be satisfied with what we experienced yesterday or last year or 20 years. And Father, we don't want to be we don't want to be tripped up over things haven't worked out the way we thought yet. Father, we trust you. We surrender to you. We don't want anything but you in our lives. Ask him for more passion. Intercede for those locked in religious culture that keeps people from an intimate walk with him. Look and see culture from Christ's perspective. 
Talk to him about what you see. Ask the Lord to make you so passionate about the things that he cares about that you become dangerous to the enemy and his plans. Tell him, I want to be used like Abraham, Joshua, Josiah, Esther, and David in this generation. Say, Jesus, take my life. And let me be a reformer of this nation and the church and my generation. So, Lord, we pray you would raise up a new generation of reformers. We need reforming generation. We want to be difference makers. There is something in our DNA that cannot accept status quo or business as usual. We can't accept things as they are. Give us boldness we need to change things in our generation. We want you to rock the boat. Just like Martin Luther, we hate religion. We see how all its rules and regulations limit your people. We have tasted of you, and you make us hungry for more. We crave for your presence. We can't get enough of you. This hunger for the purity of your presence makes us loathe the average church service. We don't want where we don't get the opportunity to really connect with you. We weep for those locked in religious traditions of men. Set them free. Lord, we refuse to let the world around us shape or define us. We see societal ills as challenges, but you're more than able to overcome. We are not daunted by how impossible they seem. We don't fear adversity because we know how big you are. Partnering with you, we become dangerous to evil. Evil must flee before your church. We are not normal Christians. I just want to say it is not enough to say you're a Christian. We are only followers of Jesus. We don't fit in the typical societal niche because you have made us reformers. You have placed us in this nation, a new generation, cut of the cloth of Abraham, Joshua, Esther, and David. We are the Wilberforces, the Lincolns, and the Martin Luther King Juniors of today. We won't tolerate half-heartedness. We can't stand indifference and complacency. We will cry out and speak out and passionately intercede until the church of our generation wakes up and engages this culture. Jesus, take our lives and let us be the reformers of this nation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.